and it provides a vivid illustration of what the jawbones are really like. At the same time, every week, these geese would, with great fanfare, would parade to a corner of their barnyard where their most eloquent orator would sit on a fence and talk about the wonders of being a goose. He reminded them of the great things their forefathers had accomplished. He described the flight of their famous ancestors. He talked about how merciful the Creator has been in giving geese wings and the instinct to fly. However, there was one thing that they never did. These geese were deeply impressed. They were so impressed, some of them shouted, Amen! Other ones, others, others nodded their heads solemnly, mm-hmm, Yeah, mm-hmm, you're right. There were others who applauded vigorously, but there was absolutely one thing that they did not do. They did not fly. What they did instead was return to the, their, their everyday way of life in the comfort, comfort zones of their barnyards. Boy, how that sounds like the jawbones today in our churches, perhaps even here. They boldly testify about their privileged position. I'm a child of the king. Talk about their gifts and the talents they have and the abilities that God had bestowed upon them. About their dedication. And about the power in them that is greater than the power outside of them. One thing they failed to do. They failed to demonstrate God's provision of giftedness in the daily life and going-ons of the church. In other words, many talk the talk, but they just don't walk the walk. I don't want to sound like I'm pointing fingers today, but do you know anybody like that? As we look at these jawbones in the church today, The question that can be asked is, can these bones live? Of course, the same question can be asked about some other bones that exist in the church today, the wishbones. Wishbones are Christians who realize that it takes a whole lot more than talk to get things done. They just wish somebody else would do it. They look at the size of the choir on a Sunday morning and and wish some more people would join the choir. And that's just one example. While they're wishing, they're gifted, gifted singers, and they're sitting back as spectators, watching those who are using their gifts for the glory of God and the edification of his people. And that's just one example. And so there are a lot of congregations today that are filled with wishbones. The older Christians are tired and wish the young people would get involved and, and the younger people are nervous that they're not capable of this enough and wish that the older folks would just get on and do the work of God. All just sit back and wish and wish and wish. And while they do, God's work remains undone. 
or half done, incomplete. Opportunities to glorify the triune God through serving him and others slip away. Precious souls are remain lost. Don't want to meddle, but do you know anybody like that today? As we look at all the wishbones in the church today, the question is, can these bones actually live again? But there were some other bones that Ezekiel saw in the valley that reminds us of those that occupy the church today. He saw some knuckle bones. Knuckle bones are Christians who complain about everything. They complain about everything, not only in the church, but on God's green earth. But they refuse to lift a finger to do anything themselves. They're pretty good at knocking everyone else who's trying to do something. And if you ever approach them, they will be ready to get up in your face with their favorite line, we never did it that way before. Ever heard that? Mm-hmm. Story is told of a baseball manager. One day he was complaining about, he, he, was rest, he was really sick and tired of his baseball players complaining about how hot it was on the ball field. And so he called a team meeting and he threatened all the players. He said, the next person who ever complains about the heat again, I'm going to give them a hefty fine. The next day, very next day, after pitching six innings in the scorching heat of the day, the pitcher went into the dugout, sprawled on the bench, closed his eyes, poured a bottle of water over his head, and groaned, man, it's really hot only to open his eyes and find himself eyeball to eyeball with a fuming manager. Without missing a beat, he said, and that's just the way I like it. Doesn't that sound like us today? Why do Christians in the church complain? Why do they gripe so much? Simple. Because they just can't get things the way they like it. They can't get things the way they want it. It's all about my way. And someone says, either my way or the highway. But as actively serving Christians try to cope with the knuckle bones in the church today, the question is, can these bones live again? Ezekiel even saw some other bones in the valley. He saw some hip bones. Hip bones are those who, who, who are very good at church attendance. They just come to church and they just sit. And that's just about it. They didn't do anything else but just come and sit. Always expecting to receive without ever giving a thought to exercising the gift that God has graciously given them to serve him and others. And if you ever approach them about doing anything, they're always ready to strike back with their favorite lines. At least I go to church. Someone would say, well, child, you know, I've been coming to church since King Hammer was a hatchet. 
never miss a day. But that's all they do. Question is, can these bones live? Now, one of the things that Ezekiel noticed about the variety of bones that surrounded him in the valley that day was they were very dry. Not just dry bones, they were very dry. Uh, the Bible is specific here. Very dry. Because of such dryness, he realized that these were not just dead people. These were people who had been dead for so long that their bones had become scorched and bleached by the sun to the extent that they had no possibility of life. They were not just dry, but very dry. This means that they didn't, they didn't have any potential for life left in them, which presented a seemingly hopeless situation, don't you think? If they were not so dry, you could think that probably there's some, some potential for life left in them. But the Bible is very specific here. They were very dry, which means that there was not even an ounce of life left in these bones. Christians who have not been doing what they should have been doing for so long that the mere notion that they could change seems like an impossibility. That's what we have today. Now make no mistake about it. All of us, and I'm first to admit it, have indicated traits of at least one of these bones at some point in our lives. Oh yeah, I was a jawbone once. I was a wishbone too. I was a knuckle bone. I can't remember ever being a hip bone though. As far as I can remember, from the day I got saved, I hit the ground running. Because my desire was that I wanted to do anything for the Lord. Whatever God wanted me to do. If it meant sweeping the floor, I'd sweep the floor. If it meant picking up trash, I'd pick up trash. Don't remember ever being a hip bone. So that brings us to the answer. Thank God the good news of God's word is, yes, these dry bones can live again. Now, while this vast valley of bones presents a picture of what appears to be hopelessness, Ezekiel's response to God is that all is not lost. Because such apparent hopelessness is only from a human perspective. That's the way we see it. Verse 3. So he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. Or as we would say today, child, only God one knows. In other words, by saying, O Lord, you know, Ezekiel places the outcome of this dilemma entirely in the lap of God's sovereignty. Do we do that? Do we look at a situation and look at it and say, oh boy, that's hopeless. Or look at an individual who's so steeped in sin, we say, oh boy, he's hopeless. Or do we look at it from the perspective of God's sovereignty? God is in control. He can do anything. So as if to say to Ezekiel, good answer. God tells him to do something that most would consider absolutely absurd, to say the least, even for a prophet. Talk to them. Talk to them. 
Now imagine you're standing in a valley full of dry bones and God says, what do you think? Think these can live? And he says, Lord, you know, only you know. And then God says, okay, talk to them. How would you feel? What would you say? He says in verse 4, again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. In other words, tell these dry bones not to hear the word of the prophet, but the word of the Lord. Yes, they're going to hear the voice of the prophet. But what they must listen to and obey is the word of the Lord. That's what he's saying to them. The tragedy that we have today is that there are many who are so intent on listening to the word of self-appointed, self-proclaimed, so-called prophets that they can't hear the word of the Lord. That's a tragedy. That's a problem. Because it means that God's people are not listening to God. They're listening to something else. And so the instructions was, hear the word of the Lord. Tell these bones not to hear the words of the prophet, but to hear the word of the Lord. We must be ever mindful that God never gives his people a task to do without equipping them to do it. God is never going to tell you to do something unless he gives you what it takes to get the job done. He's not like that. Now, Phillips is calling me Pharaoh. I'd never tell them to do something and tell them to go find your own stuff. So it stands to reason that if God equips us to do something, he fully expects us to do it. By giving each believer a spiritual gift, he fully expects them to use it, not just if or when they feel like it, or for self-praise or self-gratification or self-aggrandizement, or to make themselves look good before others, but for his glory and for the advancement of his church. And we've got to remember now, it's God's church. Not the pastor's church or the elder's church. It's God's church. For some reason, we get it in our minds that whenever we do something in the church, it's be doing it for somebody else. It's for God. The advancement of God's cause. So here's a lesson then from the prophet for us. If you ever find yourself in a predicament like Ezekiel find himself in, regardless of how ridiculous your obedience may seem to you or anyone else, never ever leave the sovereignty of God out of the equation when confronted with the seemingly impossible situations of life. We do that all the time. All the time. We look at a situation and say, oh, that's hopeless. Totally ignoring the sovereignty of God. So God not only told Ezekiel to talk to the bones, but he told him word for word exactly what to say. And God does the same thing with us. He's not going to give you a job to do, but tell him, not telling you how to do it. In Jacksonville, when I worked with those guys, I worked side by side with them. We did the drywall together. We hammered the nails together. I didn't tell them, okay, you go over there and do that, and you go over there, and I go over in my office and sit down and relax. Call me when you finish. No, we work side by side. And God does the same thing. God tells us exactly how he wants us to do what he tells us to do. So we have no excuse. Verse 5 and 6. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. 
I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive. And you will know, know what? That I am the Lord. God has asserted himself as the God who is all-powerful. Yes, these bones can live, but it required something. It required complete obedience to God's word. That's the only way it's going to work. Ezekiel's valley of dry bones represented the spiritually dead state of people because of disobedience. See, there are a lot of Christians today who are alive in Christ by way of salvation. But when it comes to allowing the Holy Spirit to use His gifts in their lives for the benefit of the body of Christ, God's church, they are as dead as the dry bones in Ezekiel's valley. The Bible calls that quenching the Spirit. Notice what he says, do not, and this is very specific. You don't have to sit down and figure this one out or scratch your head and figure out what he's saying. He's very specific, straight to the point, do not quench the Spirit. End of discussion. In other words, we should not ignore or casually toss aside the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Instead, of stifling the Holy Spirit's work, not only in our lives, but in the lives of other people around us, other believers. Remember, the verse we saw earlier said, helping others. Instead of stifling others in their work, we should use and encourage the full expression of these gifts for the benefit of the whole body of Christ, God's church, not man's church. Yes, these bones can live. In any church study that may look like a heap of dry bones, these bones can live. These bones can live even though spiritual death with no hope of vitality may look so obvious to us. These bones can live. Just as God promised to restore his nation Israel from a valley of dry bones, he can restore the jaw bones and the wrist bones, and the knuckle bones, and the hip bones of any church, no matter how dry or dead they may appear to be, God can do it. That's the point. Don't write anybody off. Don't write off no jaw bones. Don't write off no wrist bones. And especially, don't write off no hip bones. God can use them. God can bring them back to life. Instead of giving up or giving in to the schemes of the devil, what we ought to do is pray for renewal. We're going to be doing that tonight, right, Brother Clinton? Pray for renewal like we did last time. Pray for renewal by asking God to restore life again because the hope and prayer of every church should be that God would bring revival by his Holy Spirit. That ought to be the prayer, the hope that we have. In fact, God is always at work calling his people back to himself, bringing new life into dead people and dead churches, reviving those dry bones. But it all starts with obedience. That's where it begins. Verse 7. So I prophesied, as it was suggested. Is that what it says? 
I prophesied because, you know, I was caught between a proverbial rock and a hard place, and I didn't have anything much to do, so I just did it. Is that what he's saying? He, pro- he said, I prophesied as I was, as I was what? Commanded. In other words, I was obedient to the voice of the Lord. I was obedient to the word of God. As I prophesied, there was a noise. Now, I don't know about Ezekiel, but if I was a Bahamian, and I was there, and I heard a noise in a graveyard, bush crack, man gone. Ezekiel was brave. He stayed. He stayed. He said, I heard there was a noise, and behold, a rattling of the bones, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Now, notice here, the only way the dry bones could be obedient to the word of God is by the prophet's obedience to the command of God. You notice that? Those bones would not have budged if the prophet didn't budge. If the prophet didn't budge to the command of God, those bones would stay right there dry and scattered all over that valley. But the bones only responded because the prophet responded. The message for Christians today from Ezekiel's valley of dry bones is yes, through obedience, These bones can live again. Even though people and causes and forces end up like the dry bones in the valley that Ezekiel saw, when the spirit of the living God goes to work, things come back to life again. Amen? You better believe it. The sight of such a vast assortment of bones, dry bones all around him, gave the impression that the situation was not only helpless, but hopeless. Now, if you and I were there and we saw all of that, and God asking you if these bones can live again, (laughs) I think I'd hang my head and walk away. Just totally impossible. These? you got to be kidding. Live? Isn't that not a joke? All these bones, everything came together as God originally created them, all the bones, flesh came on the bones, sinews came on the bones, but Ezekiel noticed something else. There was no breath in them. God reconstructed them. They were just scattered skeletal remains before God stepped in. But now, without breath, they're nothing more than corpses. They are full-fledged dead people now. In other words, they are non-contributing entities, just like the hip bones in the church today, present, unaccounted for, or as we say in baseball lingo, no hits, no runs, no errors. That's the hip bones. Verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds 
O breath, and breathe on these slain. Notice the word slain now. It's not just dry bones anymore because they're corpses now. Breathe on these slain that they may come to life. And again, Ezekiel did exactly as he was told. Because he'd already seen God at work. Verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them. And they came to life and stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. See, that's what God needs today. For the church to function as God intended, God needs an exceedingly great army. We're always talking about the needs in the church, aren't we? The church needs this and the church needs that. Oh, we need workers here and we need workers there. And we need money here and we need money for this and money for that. Here is a great and exceeding army. That's what God needs. And that is what there is a potential to have in the body of Christ. If every member of this living, breathing body of Christ is obedient to the word of the Lord as Ezekiel was. And as the inanimate objects such as the bones were. Even the bones were obedient. Same on us. The bones we ain't living can be obedient. What do we say for us who are living and breathing? And we ain't doing what God tells us to do. Breath from the four winds gave life to the corpses. Dry bones, dead and bleached by the scorching sun for only God knows how long. Doesn't tell us how long they were like that, but the state tells us. Gives an idea. Long time. They came back to life again and stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. Ezekiel got his answer. Yes, these bones can live again. And they stood on their feet. They can live again by the power of the triune God. And that power is available to us today. Each and every single one of us who have been gifted to serve in the body of Christ. This message prophesied in Ezekiel's vision and expressed throughout history in countless experiences was permanently printed on the pages of history in concrete, conclusive, once-for-all terms in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the darkest of days after Calvary when Jesus' body was laid in a borrowed tomb because he was dead. Jesus said he was dead as a doornail. It's the kind of message that sinks into our mind and sends cold chills of despair up and down our spines. Jesus Christ is dead. All of the hopes of all of the centuries that the disciples had lodged in the life of their Messiah seemed to have died with him that day. But then God went to work. And before his spirit was done, Jesus Christ was again walking with his disciples as their companion. Remember the Emmaus Road? Ascending before them as their Lord, as they looked up and see him go up. And promising to come again as their king. Yes, this is the message of the empty tomb. God can bring life out of that which appears to be dead and done for. So there's hope. Don't give up on them jaw bones. Especially don't give up on them hip bones. Don't give up on those knuckle bones. Yes, these bones can live is the message that was prefigured in Ezekiel's valley. 
of dry bones and proclaimed in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a message for you and me today. For all of those who have those traits 